Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Friday, October 20th, and I'm your host, Stephen Overly. So there's this movement called effective altruism. And the idea behind it is to basically apply data-driven decision-making to philanthropy. And the goal is to have the largest possible impact on humanity. For the gods of Silicon Valley, it's become something of a religion. And lately, these effective altruists have turned that thinking toward artificial intelligence, particularly the risk that AI could end the human race if not managed appropriately. They're now using their vast wealth and influence to shape the debate over AI regulation here in Washington. On the show today, reporter Brendan Bordelone delves into perhaps the biggest player in this space, an organization called Open Philanthropy. Excellent. So, Brendan, let's start with a very basic question here. What is effective altruism? It is sort of a uh, data-driven kind of like utilitarian approach to philanthropy. So this idea that don't necessarily do what feels good, do what's going to have the greatest like long-term impact for society, for human flourishing. Um, I think like kind of the classic example is uh, somebody who wants to do better for the world could go and like volunteer at a soup kitchen uh, five days a week, or they could go into investment banking, make like $20 million a year, and then donate all that to like an entire fleet of soup kitchens, right? It doesn't feel as good. It's not as, you know, this touchy-feely kind of philanthropy thing, but it's something that, you know, effective altruists would say is a lot more effective and really has like, you know, a lot more value for for human humanity and like society in the long term. Philanthropy at scale, if you will, yes, in, in yes. a lot of ways. And like in a, in a way that's very like, again, data focused, utilitarian, sort of like cold, hard facts. Like this is how we're going to help people in a way that actually is like matters and isn't just some sort of like, you know, touchy feely, feel good moment uh, in, in, a, in a charity kind of way. Which um, I can already see why this is really caught on in, in tech uh, exactly. just, just with that alone. But, you know, th- this is a movement that has garnered a lot of attention recently because of um, Sam Bankman Fried, who's the d- sort of d- disgrace if you will, crypto billionaire who's on, on trial right now for allegedly defrauding investors. Not exactly the poster child uh, that you, a movement might want, yeah. I'm guessing. Who, who are the tech people that are really subscribing to this philosophy? Well, one of them is uh, the f- uh, funder of Open Philanthropy. So this is Dustin Moskowitz. Uh, he is a uh, sort of card-carrying effective altruist and his organization uh, is, um, you know, again, all about sort of pushing this this movement forward in a variety of contexts, uh, including AI. Uh, he's a former co-founder of Facebook. Uh, he's uh, worth about $19 billion. Um, Elon Musk is is very closely associated with this movement. I don't think that he would call himself an effective altruist, but he's very much associated with the sort of long-term risk crowd when it comes to AI. Uh, and again, this is a sort of central to the effective altruist ideology. Um, for whatever reason, in the last few years, they've kind of become fixated on the potential long-term risks posed by AI, really like the existential, like civilization ending kind of risks. So like artificial general intelligence becoming sentient, deciding to kill humanity, uh, even things kind of like bioweapons being developed through like large language models that could potentially be used to kill millions of people down by extremists or something like that. And uh, really, you know, this is an outgrowth of its focus on this sort of like long term human flourishing. And I think for them, it's the sense that like, even if there's a 5% risk that 
uh, you know, general artificial intelligence one day decides to like kill everybody. It's such a big risk. It's such a huge issue that the best thing you can do for humanity is to like push this forward uh, and like try to do everything you can to prevent that risk. Um, you know, so it, it also has actually roped in a bunch of people in the AI, the AI um uh, sort of economy and industry directly. So like a bunch of people at OpenAI, uh, at Google's DeepMind, uh, that's a big AI lab that they have. Uh, Anthropic was basically founded uh, largely by effective altruists who are worried about these long-term risks. So yeah, a lot of the tech luminaries are, are uh, ascribed to this. And a lot of the folks that are sort of the rank and file uh, in these uh, AI companies are also very much sort of like of this uh, worldview. Well, so it's it's interesting to me that they're focused on AI. I mean, I would not think of AI and altruism is necessarily going hand in hand, right? I sort of think of philanthropy as dealing with like issues like hunger or homelessness, right? And, and when it comes to AI, this is something where, you know, these same people who are, are trying to, you know, warn against these long-term risks also have financial incentives, right, to to kind of shape the conversation around AI. So what exactly are they doing? How are they applying kind of effective altruism to AI specifically? So right now in Washington, everyone's struggling to figure out what to do on AI policy. I think there's, you know, there's several sort of factions that are vying for control and influence in the AI policy debate, which is very dynamic. Uh, this is one of them. Uh, and, you know, through open philanthropy, effective altruists are trying to push Washington in a direction of AI policy that really focuses on the existential long-term risks posed by the technology. Two concerns there. Uh, one is that it's going to distract lawmakers from legislating around the real world harms of AI. So this is things like bias, privacy concerns, disinformation, the spread of like deep fakes or whatever, all things that I think people would like Congress to focus on. And that I think the inference is they will have a tough time focusing on that if they're worried about AI killing everybody or bioweapons being built by large language models. The other thing is this potential for like regulatory capture. And so given the ties that this group and this this sort of uh, organization and ideology have to some of the big AI firms, there's a fear that the the message that they're pushing when it comes to kind of like this technology is too dangerous, we need to lock it down and make sure only a few organizations, companies have the ability to work on this at the advanced level. That's obviously, you know, there's an argument to be made that that benefits those companies because obviously they're going to be the ones in charge of the technology. They're going to be the ones trusted with it. They're going to be the ones in control of it. So I think th those are sort of the, the, the main concerns that people outside of the movement have with what they're doing in Washington right now. You know, I'm fascinated that these effective altruists have kind of descended on Washington mm -hmm. in a way to shape AI regulation, especially because, and this is like a tension point or, uh, in my opinion, an inconsistency that like we constantly talk about around AI where like some of these organizations that are leaning on Washington to regulate it are the ones creating it. And so like in theory, if they're that concerned about AI's impact on humanity, then of their own volition, they can develop it in a way that doesn't have those harmful impacts. Um, so, but I guess, you know, when it comes to DC, I mean, we both know DC is populated by lobbying groups, nonprofits, think tanks, you know, a, a myriad of organizations. How well connected are these effective altruists in Washington at this point? Yeah. Um, so it, it is kind of, I think, in many ways, early days, but I think that's not super unusual when it comes to this kind of network, because I think the AI policy debate is in relatively early days uh, in Washington. Um, right. And I think, you know, there, there's a lot of evidence that they, it's not just the effective altruists, but I think kind of all sides of the AI policy debate have kind of been like, 
building for this moment. I think there was always sort of an understanding that Washington was eventually going to get to AI policy. So a lot of the effective altruist groups that you see cropping up now in these debates uh, were sort of seeded a few years ago. Um, one of them is like the uh, Georgetown University Center for Security uh, and Emerging Technology. Uh, they started in 2019 um, with like a uh, something like $50 million grant from Open Philanthropy. Um, they got another $42 million, I want to say, in 2021. Uh, so again, like almost ent- entirely funded by Open Philanthropy. Uh, and um, now are sort of very well positioned, along with a bunch of other groups, to make these arguments uh, now that Congress is turning to them. It's one of these things like well, the way people have talked about it, the critics that I talk to, uh, it's like you just sort of put AI experts all over the place and people don't really necessarily realize they're coming from a specific point of view that they're you know, being funded by a group to push long-termist AI policy, theoretically. Uh, again, that's sort of a bone of contention. Uh, but, um, you know, and then when the senator goes to talk to their AI expert in, on staff, they say, oh, well, this AI expert's worried about long-term risk. That must be, you know, something that a lot of AI experts are worried about. And the, the people on the outside of the group are like, no, actually, like, this is part of this network that you uh, may not be aware of. But like, so it's just sort of like, it's almost like an echo chamber that's being built. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. You said um, these effective altruist groups were like plugging people in all over the place. What what kind of places are you talking about? Sure. So um, right now uh, there are um, AI fellows uh, in several of the key Senate offices that um, are working on AI policy. Uh, these fellows are funded through Open Philanthropy, which is the big effective altruist long-term risk uh, group. Uh, they're very focused on this. They've funded, uh, I think, probably for the tune of like tens of millions of dollars across Washington. Um, and the fellows are just sort of a small part of that. But um, so Senator Todd Young, Senator um, uh, Mike Rounds, uh, Senator Martin Heinrich, this is like three out of the four of the the Senate AI gang of four. Um, they all have uh, Horizon Fellows funded by Open Philanthropy uh, in their offices. Um, Todd Youngs is actually a biosecurity fellow, um, but there is some overlap there because uh, the uh, long-termists, the effective altruists are very worried about the risk of large language models being used to develop a bioweapon. So um, it actually, there's a lot of overlap. Uh, House Science Committee, Senate Commerce Committee both have um, fellows in this space. Uh, there are several agencies as well, uh, the um, uh, Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense. Um, and then there's think tanks uh, that are just sort of seeded with these folks as well, um, not just fellows, but also, you know, I think very high profile researchers that um, are being funded to the tune of, you know, $5 million, $10 million uh, by open philanthropy, and which largely, I think, you know, have a focus on these sort of long term existential risks. I think um, the RAND Corporation uh, is probably the um, the most uh, focused on this stuff. And uh, Jason Matheny, who's the uh, New CEO of RAND, uh, he's relatively new. He was at the White House uh, last year and then moved over to RAND. He's basically like a card-carrying, effective altruist. Um, open philanthropy has given him quite a bit of money. And uh, I think it's particularly in the think tank community, 
uh, there's a sense that Rand has sort of like pivoted in a quite aggressive direction towards the long-termist, effective altruist approach to AI. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of people in DC listen to Rand. Uh, they're pretty, yeah. uh, they're kind of like your archetypal, uh, like, you know, policy think tank in Washington. So, uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's just kind of these key nodes across the DC policy space um, that are getting kind of seeded with these voices. People don't necessarily know that that's where the money's coming from, that that's where this, you know, sort of coherent ideology and vision is coming from. They just think like, oh, it's an AI expert. I'll listen to what he right. has to say wow, he sounds a lot like this other AI expert that I heard from from this other organization who's also worried about long-term risks. And when you you know peel it back a little bit, they're all kind of funded by the same people. Uh, they hang out in the same circles. Spreading they, the same message. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's uh, so again, I, I think that the, the concern people have um, on the other side of this debate is that it's not clear that they're all part of this network. Well, and, let me let me ask you on that, because I know you've talked to kind of government ethics experts, yeah. right, about, about this, some of the concerns with the opaque nature, right, uh, of how this is all set up. I mean, what issues did they raise to you? Sure. So um, it is uh, allowed. You're allowed to um, finance fellows uh, in the federal government um, through Congress, through the agencies. Uh, it's, a, it's a law called the um, Intergovernmental Personnel Act uh, of 1970, which lets nonprofits do this. If you're a, a business, you can't do it. Uh, you can't like, you know, like OpenAI pay would not be able to like pay right. the salary of a fellow working in Blumenthal's office. Um, but you, so, you could give money to a nonprofit that then gives money to fund a fellow in someone's and office. And that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah. Uh, and in you know, Richard Blumenthal's office is another senator I should have mentioned, actually, uh, who has a Horizon fellow. Uh, and he's very involved in AI policy. He's a powerful member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, he, uh, along with Senator Josh Hawley, came out earlier this year with a um, – AI licensing regime, which is exactly what the the long termists and the effective altruists would like, right? You know, a way to kind of like lock down the technology so only a handful of companies can use it. Um, he has a fellow in his office who worked at OpenAI right before coming to the Senate, um, and is uh, obviously a Horizon fellow funded by Open Philanthropy. Um, you know, it's unclear the extent to which this fellow uh, was actually involved in uh, crafting the licensing policy or what what he's doing right now. There's not actually legislation yet, so. Possibly this fellow is working on that. Possibly he's not. But I think it's that appearance of, you know, this, this, uh, um, these connections. Because the other thing with open philanthropy is, uh, the, the ties to open AI and the ties to anthropic, uh, both financial and personal are, um, you know, I think very, very well founded and, uh, very extensive. And, and there's, that's the other concern with these, these, uh, ethics people is they say, listen, like, if a fellow's going in to learn about how, Congress works, right? Many of these fellows are like young, like early stage career people. That's great. Like that's what we'd like to see. That's what the fellowship program is for. If they're going to influence policy, particularly on an issue where their funder really has a dog in the fight, um, that's concerning. And it's especially concerning when their funder has ties to the industry that would potentially benefit from some of these rules or regulations. And that's all what seems to be happening here. Um, again, it's, it, it is an open question. How uh, influential they are uh, in these policy debates. Um, you know, some of these fellows were present in the first um, Senate AI Insight Forum that Senator Schumer held last uh, last month. So, again, that was closed to the press, that was closed to the public. Uh, but Open Philanthropy had their their fellows that they fund in the room. Uh, in the room. So, uh, I think there is a sense that uh, these folks are having a pretty significant um, influence in a very new policy space, and without the sort of Transparency of the of the the ties and and, and the money involved and, and sort of the the connections between the industry, the nonprofit, the funder. Um, I think that's where a lot of the ethical concerns get raised. Excellent. Well, um, Brendan, thank you for joining us on Politico Tech. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
That's all for today's Politico Tech. Before you go, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming Politico event on chips, fabs, feds, and the future of the industry. You'll hear from Representative Michael McCall and the Commerce Department's Chips Office, among others. It's on October 24th. That's this coming Tuesday. And you can learn more and register to attend in person or remote at politico.com. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's show comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll meet you back here on Monday.